This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome back to the Amazon Restricted Podcast. A disappointing result on Saturday at the Emmett Stadium, a 1-1 draw in Brighton. Uh, that leaves us seventh in the table. We've dropped out of the top six for the first time in what feels like weeks and Spurs have finally gone back above us. Two games left of the season to go. Uh, that's just one win for us in our last five games. Jimmy's here to discuss it all with me. Uh, Jim, were you disappointed with the performance the other day? Well, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, but... It's looking a bit doom and gloom at the moment. It looks like we're going out with a whimper. I'm not happy about it. I... Look, let's just get into it. You said last week, first of all, you don't want to hear anything about bottling it. I've seen a lot of that this week on Twitter, Instagram, you name it. I don't I don't think we bottled that game, to be completely honest with you. We both said that Brighton was going to be a tough game. We don't do well against them traditionally in the Premier League. A difficult place to go to. I think the boys just look knackered, to be honest with you. And you've got players coming back into the squad like Ogbonna and Rice who haven't played much lately. I think it was a big ask for some of them. What do you think? Well, like you said, it looked like a tired performance. It looked like they'd run out of ideas. But when the lineup was announced, I was thinking this is our strongest starting eleven, And I was happy. I was like, they're going to be bang at the races. But have we rushed Rice back? Have we rushed Cresswell back? Because they didn't look themselves. And I suppose none of the team did really. No. I think I text you that. I think I said that must be our strongest eleven because I'm the same as you. I, I loved it when I saw the lineup. I thought it was brilliant. Even Bowen getting a start again as well because he was amongst the goals when he got his run in the team. I thought Antonio especially though, looked absolutely knackered. He keeps trying these shots from 30 yards out. I don't remember ever seeing him score from outside the box, by the way. I don't know why, where he's got this idea from to just keep having pelters from fucking 40 yards out. But I don't know. I thought Lingard was tired as well. I think he's... He's almost come in and he's he's done what he's had to do. He's got he's got everyone's attention again. You know, is it he was banging form when he started, like we said a couple of weeks ago, but he's really gone off the ball now, hasn't he? Well, I mean, this was to be expected. He was always overperforming. And you know what, there was doubt as myself being one at the start of the season, and he proved us all wrong that he had this in the locker. But to do it on such a consistent basis, I said the same thing last week, it is so hard. And this is what defines good players from great players, that they can do it week in, week out, and that form isn't temporary with them. It's just permanent. Um, so, um, again, I'm not... He looked... The thing is, with Jesse Lingard, you're always going to get effort. And that, you can see him closing down, running in. I remember last weekend against Everton, I think it was the 80th minute, he's running, made a goal-saving tackle, and then run yeah. up the other end, trying to make something happen. So even though it's not coming off all these fancy flicks around the edge of the box, at least he's trying something. Um, you mentioned Antonio as well. You're saying fitness. Maybe if he'd stopped running around down the left and right mid and just stayed as the striker, maybe look a bit fitter. Because I feel like he's trying to do too much up there. And I just want him in a width of the 18-yard box. And this is what we've mentioned in the past. He is a converted winger, so sometimes that isn't going to come as naturally to him. But we just need him in the centre of... Centre of the pitch, centre of the goal. I think that's just how he plays, though, as, as, an, as a striker. I think he 
he goes down the channels. He draws he draws defenders out for one. He takes him on out wide. That's when you've got Lingard floating into the middle. Bowen goes in there as well. Even Suchek now Rice is back in the team to sort of make those runs in the middle of the pitch. But I think that's the beauty of having Antonio up front is that he runs the channels and that he, he stretches defences rather than like Haller, who we did have, who just was so immobile up front and just stayed stayed within the width for the 18-yard box, as you said. Um, again, we, we mentioned about players coming back from injury. Declan Rice, it was good to see him back, wasn't it? I thought he had a fantastic game, actually, considering he's been out for the last six weeks. Um, I want to read some stats out, first of all. His game by numbers against Brighton, 100% of his tackles were won. 93% passes accurate, 16 final third passes, nine ball recoveries, two shots blocked, and he did uh, create one chance as well. Solid return for the captain, wouldn't it? I mean, it's key to how we play, Rice, because he, his ball recovery is exceptional, one of the best in the league. I don't have the stats, but I can only think of Kante maybe indeed a better than him. Mm. And he's so crucial to the way that we play because the way he recovers the ball and then springs out um, the counter-attack is so crucial because that starts those front four moving and he is the key. And when we, we've not had him in the last few weeks, it's, it's been noticeable. Um, yeah. So it is great to have him back. Sadly, you know, it just wasn't enough on the night, but you can't put it all down to him. Like I think it was all the boys. I don't think all of them were at the best. Yeah, I just think seeing him come back the other night and just playing 90 minutes straight off the bat, you know, having, having missed the last six games, just shows how good he really is. You know, he really is a world-class player. Let's hope we can keep hold of him this summer. Speaking of world-class players, <laughs> so I Ben Rama, who we, um, well, have both had our criticisms of in the last couple of weeks, did put in a world-class goal, to be fair to him, didn't they? I mean, I feel like it's a love-hate relationship that we have on this podcast with Saeed Benrahma. As much yeah. as I criticise him, I do praise him because we know he's got the ability. He's just frustrating player. That's what I describe, label him as, frustrating. Because mm. he just doesn't deliver when you need him to. He doesn't, like, get these... I don't know. He's just a frustrating player, I think that's best said. But then that moment of quality, what a goal. What yeah. a goal, just when you needed one as well. And he puts in the ball for Craig Dawson's header, which, again, he could have had an assist and a goal on another night. And you're thinking, wow, it's, uh, it's a turning point for him. But well, you know what? We're starting to see a few positives. In the last few weeks, we're starting to see a few positives with him. But he really does need a crack on, have a good pre-season next year and really cement his place because it is still up for grabs. But with glimpses of quality, like he's just shown, he... He's shown that he can nail that place for next year. You mentioned there about the chance he created. So I'm going to go by the stats again here. He's 30-minute cameo, 18 touches, seven passes in the final third. He created two chances, one shot, one goal. An absolutely cracking goal as well, by the way. That didn't look like a player as who struggled with the final net all season. It was just an excellent finish. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating, as you say, because, you know, it's a game that we should have won on paper. But, with a player like Danny Welbeck in the side for Brighton, he only needs one chance to score, really, doesn't he? And he, he finished that well. Yeah, he rolled back the years with that one. Uh, he, he's a bit hit and miss now. Uh, I think Brighton do need a striker, an upgrade on him. But, I mean, when he's clean through like that, it was a, it's a lovely finish. You've got to give him that. Um, and I think to the game, what we expected the other week, I thought there'd be more space. I think they'd keep the ball a bit better. But they dropped off with their back five rather than a back three. And made us, again, play in front of them. And for the second week, I feel, we just couldn't unpick them. And we looked vulnerable on the counter. And I feel like it's very similar. It sort of echoed what the Everton game was. And maybe that's our vulnerability. 
um, that if you do sit deep against us, we do find it hard to break teams down. I think where we did so well at the start of the season is where we were doing this to teams where we were playing with the five at the back or the three centre-halves and the wing-backs. And we were sitting in them playing on the counter, as you say. That's where we got a lot of good results at the start of the season. Whereas we get to the crunch end of the year, um, you've got teams that are seeing us as an attacking threat now and they're going to sit back and try and let us break them down. It's just a bit more difficult for us to do that. And you think we do have the players to break teams down, but it's just not quite working out for that, that way for us, is it? But one thing I will say, sorry, one thing I will say is um, despite going nearly two games without scoring, what I was impressed by this week was our ability to bounce back quickly from going one goal down. So I honestly, I thought when he, when he scored that well back, I thought that's it, one nil, job done. Like it's going to be back to back one nil defeats in the league. But the fact that they, within three minutes, had drawn the game level, um, Echo's games earlier in the season really leads um, when we went down to them away. Crystal Palace, we went behind in that game. Um, trying to scratch my brain and think of others. But you know what I mean? Like we, We've shown a few times this season that we can go behind in games and come back and still get a result. And although this was a result which frustrated a lot of the fan base and frustrated me as well, to be fair, because obviously I wanted to see us win. But the fact that we came away with something from the game, I think is something that we can't say about West Ham teams in previous years. And I think it's the hope that kills you. I mean, <laughs> we've bigged ourselves up all year. And, you know, it feels like it's just being dashed away from us at the last second. But we've got to appreciate the run. And what we're seeing now is teams like Brighton, they're giving us a new type of respect. Respect we didn't deserve last year. You know, they're coming up against us. They want to beat us. What? They want to play for the Champions League. We're going to park five at the back. We're going to make it hard for them. You know what I mean? It's a different mentality being a top team, having to break other teams down. And I think we're seeing that on the back end of this run that teams are up, up for it against us. They want to beat us. You know, it's not just West Ham mid-table, just above the relegation zone, playing it safe. People want to beat us. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to come up short. Again, it's another week we've come up short. It is frustrating. But I don't think any of the fans should be getting on West Ham at the moment. I think we've got another two games, yeah? If we win them, I think we'll be sound for Europe. Obviously, we've got West Brom and Southampton coming up. I think one win from those two games will guarantee us European football next year. We've got a three-point gap over Everton now, who are eighth in the table, one, one below us. But we are seven goals better off than them with regards to goal difference. So, you know, it's, it's a shame to drop below Tottenham, having gone below Liverpool maybe a week or two ago. But, you know, it's been close. It's been tight all season, really, isn't it? Let's be honest. And the last few weeks, they've just, you know, they've been picking up wins. They've won three out of their last five games. Fair play to them, really. It's got to be said. Um, some good results for them. It's a shame to drop below them, as I said. But for us to actually be in this position compared to last year, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but it is nice to be, you know, up this end of the table for once, isn't it? And I think with, with the fans that want to, you know, have a dig, fair enough. Like, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion. But to me, it's been a cracking season. I, it looks like we're going to get Europe now. I'm going to cross my fingers and say we are going to pick up a win in the last two games, hopefully. And we should at least get the Europa Conference League. Now, I'm a big advocate for supporting the season, enjoying the run. And I'm not pro these negative sort of West Ham fans going at it. But I have to say, if Spurs finish above us, it just, it just leaves that sour taste, doesn't it? And I hate to say it, but it just does. Like, I am so pro this run and pro Europe and everything. But you know what I mean? Just mentally, I thought, you know what? After that win against them, especially, 
a London stadium. I was like, yeah, we can make a statement here. And it does feel like we've just faded slightly. Uh, and yeah, it would be slightly disappointing, but we, I don't want to read too much into that. And yeah, we've just got to focus on the last two games and hopefully we can finish as high as possible. So look, we, we're saying it's a bit doom and gloom at the minute with regards to finishing above Spurs. Obviously, I'd like it. Obviously, I'd want it, but it's not going to be the end of the world if it doesn't happen. Um, but two tough games, you know, Aston Villa, who have fallen away themselves really this season. Jack Grealish has just come back into the side. They want to be making an impression before the Euros. Leicester's a huge game. It is a massive game, really. I mean, they, they're not guaranteed to be playing in the Champions League next season. So they've got to be winning that game. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll be going all out for it. And they'll be playing on a high anyway, having just won the FA Cup, which just to give that a quick mention, actually, because we haven't spoke about this. It's so nice to see a team win the FA Cup and actually to see what it means to the club. Like, how, how good was that final? Especially to see Chelsea losing all. Yeah, well, I mean, Chelsea could walk away from this season having lost the FA Cup final, Champions League final, and not qualify for top four. I mean, I, I was thinking Tuchel Revolution, but to see it just, again, sort of similar to our season, just right at the last moment, just to collapse, is, is really interesting to see. But you know what? They've got a lot of work to do because they've got to beat Leicester, they've got to beat City, I think they've got the work cut out for them personally. Well, they've got Leicester and they've got um, Aston Villa in the league as well, like Spurs have, same fixtures. So, you know, two very difficult games again. And, you know, you say they could lose two cup finals and miss out on Champions League qualification. We can only dream, mate, but that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Do you not want to watch us in the, conf- in the Europa Conference League? Not really, no. Still European football. We we got we could have like little weekends away in like Estonia. I don't know, just random little. Azerbaijan, no, no. If, if we're talking about the prestige of European football, I mean, you look at the Europa League. How many years that was disrespected, and it only really got the attention it deserved around fourteen, fifteen, when they introduced the Champions League qualification. Then we started seeing teams other than Seville actually taking it seriously. And I really feel in the last few years, like this year, we've had a few good ties. And you're actually not excited to watch it, but you tune in. I mean, look at the Roma game, Roma United. That's a good tie. And I was interested in that. This Conference League, I'm not so sure. The fact that we could be playing, like you said, Romanian Cup winners. I I don't feel the excitement for that one. And maybe it'll take a few years, maybe to hit the ground running. But the prestige of the competition won't be there day one. And it really could affect our Prem season. As so for me, I'm not actually pro um, the Conference League, but that could change depending on how I see it work. But as an outsider, you know, it's taken a few years to respect the Europa League. I think it's going to take a few years to respect the Conference League. As it stands, mate, Roma are one of the teams that are going to be competing in it. Looking at uh, La Liga, it looks as though it's going to be either Real Betis or Villarreal that are going to be playing it as well. So another two good sides. It won't be that bad. Villarreal, you, you've shrugged your shoulders, mate. They're in the final of the Europa League. You know, what argument have you really got here? That's two sides there. Two, two sides that are actually made it to at least the semi-final of the Europa League this year who could potentially be playing in the Conference League next season. So I understand what you're saying. There's no, there's, It's not a very prestigious competition, but who are we to snub European football, mate? Like, how many times have we travelled abroad to watch West Ham play in a European competition. Zero. So, you know, who are we to really snub this? You just got to have it, mate. You just got to embrace it and get stuck into it. 
No, I fully agree. I do fully agree with that. And you have to talk me around a little. But you've named the best teams in the competition. And if there's a 32-team pool, let's see what 30 to 32 is saying. Potentially at the minute in the, in the Europa Conference League, right? You're going to have West Ham from the Premier League, Villarreal from La Liga, Bayern Leverkusen from the Bundesliga, Serie A, you'll have Roma. And from Ligue 1, the Marseille. Mate, Dimitri Payet away. Are you, are you turning that down right now? I mean, there's going to be a huge golf in quality. And, you know, if it derails, if it derails our Premier League season, then I don't think it'll be worth it. Tell you what, mate, if we qualify, we'll, we'll go through each of the 32 teams on the podcast, all right? And we'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so we'll look ahead then to the penultimate game of the season. We travel to the Hawthorns to take on the already relegated West Bromwich Albion. Um, quick word on this before we get into the West Ham side of the preview. They were so unlucky the other day, weren't they? I mean, I'm slightly frustrated to see it. I'm slightly frustrated to see Liverpool get a win. Obviously, they pull further away from us. And I'm disappointed to see how well West Brom played because I know we've got to face them next week. Yeah. I mean, they really put a shift in, made it hard for Liverpool. Great goal on their behalf. I mean, Alisson, you can't, you can't write that. And they've proved, even though they're relegated, they're not going to be any pushovers and that they're going to fight to the end. I mean, I'm not sure if Big Sam's going to stay in the championship with them. I'm not sure what that situation is, but they're still playing for him. Um, so we've got to take him seriously. Um, but yeah, it was a cracking performance against Liverpool. You've got to say that. Yeah, they were class, weren't they? And they it's, it's a shame for him that, that... I'm a fan of Big Sam. I like him. I genuinely do. And, you know, he divides opinion in the fan base, which is fine because his style of football was really frustrating for a lot of people. And, you know, I like the fact that he came in, he got us up and he got he got results. And I'm seeing West Brom in the last maybe seven or eight weeks have started playing in the way that you know he wants them to play. It just took him so long to adjust to his style of play, I think, and to meet his demands. But he bought well in January. He bought in the striker from Turkey, Dianya, who's been wasteful in front of goal, to be honest with you. He's, had, he's been offside a lot. I think he averages more offsides than any other player in the league, and he's only been here half a season. Um, they also bought in OK Yukoslu um, from Celta Viga, who's been excellent as a holding midfielder. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who I've been really impressed with, actually. Playing in the middle, actually. That, that was the reason he joined them and not Southampton, because he wanted to guarantee that he was going to play in centre and midfield. And Snodgrass, who, you know, we know what he's all about anyway. But I think he's out for the season. But, yeah, just sorry to wrap up on West Brom. Not going to be an easy game. I agree with you. Um, if anyone's going to spoil our party, it's going to be Big Sam because he knows that he's under the skin of most of the fan base anyway. But I do back us to get a result. We beat him earlier in the season. Um, it wasn't an easy game. We beat him 2-1. But I just feel like, you know... There's play, the players that we have are on the cusp of greatness now. They're, they're so close to achieving something massive in achieving European football. So I just feel like there's going to be enough in the tank to get us through this one. I don't know about you. I mean, there should be. Like you said, it isn't going to be an easy game. No walkover here. But we should have enough. I mean, we've got a fully fit squad now. We've got our premium start at 11. I know this turnaround has come really quick. I know they haven't had many days off. But they should be preparing for this. And they don't need any motiv- more motivation then what's clearly in front of them, what's in front of the league table and what they've got to play for. Yeah. And I mean, it would be just, such a downer for them just to let it slide away. 
I don't feel for me, even though I know Liverpool scraped a 2-1 against them, I don't think there's any excuse to lose against these, you know? I know on their day, a Robson, Carnu, Pereira goal can happen, but that's it. I don't see him scoring two or three. I don't see him scoring loads. So, yeah. I think as long as we play our football, attacking football, and we just, what surely Moyes in the last week or two, He's been working on how to break down defences because this is what we're going to come up against in these last two games. This We know what's going to come. So he's got to get the tactics right, Moyes. He's got to get the tactics right. On that, uh, Ben Rama has to start for me, I think. Especially after scoring last week. I mean, I think that's up to the manager, that one. Uh, apparently, Jab Bones, the most <laughs> subbed-off uh, player in the whole league this season, could be going for a Premier League yeah, record. I'd- that surprise uh, me because I mean, he doesn't finish the full 90 and Ben Rama doing his little half hour stint, it sort of fits, you know. Because I think he tried to, yeah, to do the job for the first hour. So if, if he doesn't start, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to be that disappointed. I know he scored a worldie, but maybe the last half hour will be good enough. Let's get let's get a prediction, Jim. Well, I think I'm going to make a hat trick of calling it two ones. I'm going to go for another two one. Um, I don't see us keeping a clean sheet based on our recent performances, sadly. But, I mean, you've got to back yourself against West Brom, surely. And what it means to us, I, we look at the Liverpool game, like we said, it's not going to be easy. Um, but with a fully fit starting eleven, yeah, I think we'll bag two. So I'm going to go for 2-1. Yeah, as you said, mate, no clean sheet in the last nine league games uh, since the 2-0 win against Leeds on the 8th of March. I'm going to back us to break that duck. We're going to win two nil. Um, there are there is going to be two goals from Mikel Antonio, I believe, and that will put him level with Paolo Di Canio. I got it wrong last week. He'll be level with Paolo Di Canio on forty-seven Premier League goals for West Ham. Then he's going to nick the win of the week after against Southampton to become the record goal scorer in the Premier League. But yeah, I'm backing it's us to big um... predictions, big predictions. <laughs> but I back that up because away from home, Antonio is on fire. Like I know his stats. At home, I haven't been so-so, but I think he's got um, 14 goal involvements in 14 games mm. away from home. I mean, that says it all. He's a good traveller. He's going to be um, involved one way or another, isn't he? All right, so that's about all we've got time for this week on the Amazon Restricted Podcast. Um, Jim, is getting towards the end of the season now, mate. So, you know, we're going to have to um, start looking for alternative things to do with our time. Thanks for coming on again, mate. Big Sam, we're coming for you.